Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, rolling into the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Utah Utes going to be arriving an 11 a.m. game on Saturday. Eric Walden joining us now from the Salt Lake Tribune. And, Eric, I've enjoyed reading you over the years, your, your coverage of the Jazz. Baylor had a lot of uh, ties to the Jazz. They continue to. And so I've always in, really enjoyed I liked Quinn a lot. So I've read your coverage. But I've I noticed lately a lot of Utes coverage as well. So I'm glad to get to uh, visit with you. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm trying to be a little more multidisciplined this year. <laughs> Does the uh, uh, you got to do that in the newspaper business these days for sure? Does uh, do, do Utah is it starting to kind of settle in uh, with people that they're going to be in this conference? It had to be. We knew it was a possibility. Then it all of a sudden, one day a few weeks ago, it happens. The Pac-12 is. It doesn't seem like Kyle Whittingham has quite. I wouldn't say he's embraced it. It's kind of like, well, this thing may be a thing for a while. What are what are the uh, what are the Utes fans that you talk to, and uh, you know that fan base? What's the what's the reaction been? Are they starting to kind of lean into it, get excited about it, or does it still just seem like a uh, everybody's just trying to get their arms around it? Yeah, I, I think it's still is it feels a little kind of. Uh off in the future right now to a lot of people, you know, like certainly there were concerns locally about the future of the PAC 12, you know, the, uh, the television deal and the problems they've had with that for years and years and years, you know, uh, people, I don't, I don't know if the average person in Texas realizes, but uh, the PAC 12 network was never able to get uh, a deal worked out with direct TV. Right. And so you're lacking exposure, one thing leads to another. Um, I, I think Utah fans had a lot of trepidation over the last couple of years as a result of how these various TV deals were working out. Next thing you know, last fall, you've got USC and UCLA announcing their uh, imminent defection to the Big Ten. That kind of put you know, more fear into people about, hey, what are we doing here? What's the, what's the future of the conference? And then, yeah, to have it all kind of explode when it – when it did that morning that, uh, that you know, the respective representatives from Washington and Oregon just did not appear on the scheduled conference call, well, yeah, that's, that's the final nail in the coffin. Um, I think, you know, the, the difference that we find ourselves in now as opposed to, you know, 12, 13 years ago, whenever it was, that Utah was getting the invite to the Pac-12, in that moment, you know, coming up from the Mountain West Conference, it felt like, okay, we have finally arrived. We are finally a preeminent program. Uh, we're playing, you know, we, we've invited, we've been invited to uh, the adults' table at, at, at Thanksgiving, right? And having to sit with the little kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in terms of the move to the Big 12, there was that momentary concern about what's the future of, of the Pac 12. You know, do we try to recruit some smaller programs? Do we stay put? Sounds like that uh, that was all decided like rather quickly, right? As you mentioned, within the span of a few hours. So, in terms of fan reaction, they're excited. You know, they recognize that the Big Twelve is, is just a huge uh, conference with with a ton of tradition, a ton of history, a ton of 
uh, traction and exposure nationally. And so mm-hmm. I think there is excitement to be a part of that. I know with some fans, they're excited to be reunited in a conference with a longtime rival BYU. But for the time being, I think there is still a lot of local cachet to let's get a third straight Pac-12 championship, close out, close out the conference with something that no one's done. Uh, let's go back to the Rose Bowl and or like see if we can be undefeated and, and make it through uh, to one of those playoff games. Obviously, that's a ways down the road. But um, I, I think that, you know, there's excitement generally about the Big 12. But honestly, everyone's just been more focused on the here and now, like getting past Florida, getting Cam rising back, et cetera, et cetera. Utah could come in as an absolute power in the conference. You know, like BYU and UCF and Cincinnati and Houston, nobody knows if they're really truly ready to win right away. Whereas Utah is really kind of built for this. Uh, You've watched it, and so I I don't uh, – they could arrive with some swagger, especially, as you said, Eric, if they have like three-peat T-shirts they're wearing, right, from the Pac-12, they close down to Pac-12, they could arrive and and in some ways be the big bully immediately. Uh, And and this could be a statement opportunity for them against the Bears. Tell us about Cam Rising. Uh, You, I'm sure, have a a general feeling. They said, you know, he's going to be a full go this week, but obviously he still has to clear some hurdles before they truly say, yes, Cam Rising. We know he's going on the trip uh, to Waco. I, in my mind, this almost feels like a 80-20 or 70-30 that he doesn't play. Uh, do you have more hope for Cam Rising, or do you think I'm, I'm right on that one? I am exactly with you on that one, yeah. It's, you look at the timeline of the injury, and it's my understanding that when he tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl against Penn State, it perhaps wasn't quite as bad as they initially feared. And that's why, even though we're only, what, eight months out from that, at this point, there still is, like, some hope in terms of the progress he's made physically. But, um, yeah, just obviously, you know, they're keeping things they're keeping things close. They're not disclosing any more than they absolutely have to. Uh, as you mentioned, this is the first week where he's been like kind of fully cleared to face, uh, you know, the youth's defense in practice up until this point, it's just been doing dropbacks and, and making throws to receivers. He hasn't, they hadn't wanted him to have to react to anyone coming at him. Right. Uh, given that I, I just tend to think it seems like a small likelihood that he'll get full clearance from the school's medical team. Uh, to be thrown out there Saturday, I, I think that they probably look at it as caution is, is maybe uh, the the better way to go and and to keep him out, you know, another another week or two, perhaps. What what concerns the Utes? Do you think about Baylor the most? Is it? Uh, I mean, I would have to think the fear of the unknown. Sawyer Robertson getting the start. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has basically said they've gone back and looked at his old high school tape to be uh, to try to prepare for him. They did a good job against Florida. Uh, that guy put up some decent yardage, but most of it was you know after the game had already been decided. Um, is that? I bet that's an interesting approach they have trying to get ready for a player who has great pedigree from his high school days and even who recruited him in Mike Leach, but you just don't have much game tape on him, do you? 
Yeah, that's that's certainly a concern that they're thinking about. And I think also, you know, you just look at the overall game between Baylor and Texas State. Yes, some people view that as like a, a very disappointing loss. Hard, hard not to when you're a Big 12 program losing to a, a Sun Belt team that had a ton of turnover. But, you know, you look at a few plays in that game, you know, if, if, if the Bears are a little more efficient in the red zone than they turned out to be, uh, you know, maybe they're coming into this game with a, with a W themselves. And so I think the way the youth are looking at it is, look, Baylor, even if they're playing their, their backup quarterback, they still have a bunch of weapons. They still moved the ball really well in that game, I think over 500 yards of offense. And so Utah was not without flaws in its win against the Gators. You know, even, even as comfortable as it was, there were moments where – you know, the, where Florida could move the ball in them, where they could push the ball down the field, where you did see kind of some of the the new guys in the secondary, you know, not quite locked in as much as they needed to be. So they're definitely not taking anything for granted, I can tell you. Uh, they, they recognize that Baylor still has talent, and even if they're on a bit of a losing streak right now, um, you know, it's it's not like Utah itself is a juggernaut, right? Um, the defense is amazing, but going with the uh, the backup quarterbacks as they are, um, not getting the running game as as on track in that first game is like it's not like they ran it up on the scoreboard, right? So um, yeah. I think they're very they're they're very cognizant of the fact that hey, we had no turnovers in that first game. If that changes against Baylor, we could, we could find ourselves in a world of hurt. Yeah. And, and you, you know, the body clock thing, uh, getting them up, you know, changing the schedule to kind of get ready for the heat. I thought that was an interesting, uh, angle that coach Whittingham was talking about. We had him on yesterday and y'all been talking to him all week. Eric Walden from Salt Lake city, uh, Trib with us on the Matt Mosley show, ESPN central Texas. I mean, how big a deal do you think is that, um, Eric? We Everybody makes a huge deal about uh, coming to y'all's place with the elevation and, and the, you know, how do you prepare, how do you have enough oxygen, all that kind of thing. When you have to come the other direction, come down to sea level, come to the heat, um, as hot as you may think it is, Eric, there in the past few weeks, uh, it, I, I think you know it doesn't really compare to the Texas heat. Um, is that um, is that something that they've really emphasized these last couple of weeks in, in making sure uh, they're ready for this contest? Yeah, every every single player who I've talked to over the last few days has brought that up. So it's definitely something they're all aware of. It's it, it's something that I'm aware of. I've got a colleague here at the Tribune who uh, is a Texas native who, who told me, hey, you don't need to bother bringing a suit with you when you pack on this thing. Like, you know, just just go short sleeves and mm-hmm. thank me later. Um, you know, if I'm getting that kind of warning, I can I can only think of uh, what the players are being told. But yeah, it's, it's definitely something they're they're aware of. Um, it's actually been a little bit cooler in Salt Lake these last few days. You know, we've been down into uh, the, the 70s for a couple of days, honestly. So yeah, I think. I think they're in for a huge shock when they when they take the field on Saturday morning. Yeah, one of your uh, colleagues went to SMU. We've had him on who covers uh, BYU and does a little bit of Utah coverage as well, and so he may be one of the people advising you. I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Baylor's own Q 
Keontae George. He was at a Utah game. It made me think uh, uh, against the Utah-Florida game. He was at that game the other night. It made me think about how, like, Donovan and, uh, you know, some of those other players that I really love for the Jazz would come to those games. Um, in fact, another Baylor player. You know, they've had several uh, over the years and all. But uh, Don- Donovan, when he arrived out of Louisville, was a little more seasoned than Keontae, but but nobody thought he would become like a superstar his rookie season. I think Keontae did some stuff in those rookie leagues to start making people think, "Uh uh-oh, could he be similar? And I think that's a lot to ask because, again, not everybody comes in like Donovan and is like a dominant-type player immediately. What's everybody kind of thinking about Keontae, his debut, and then kind of what are the expectations for him as uh, as you start to look toward the NBA season? Well, I can I can tell you that Jazz fans were losing their minds after uh, seeing what he did in the Salt Lake City <laughs> Summer League and, and those Las Vegas Summer League games, right? When he got drafted, I think, I think they were a little more wary just because you saw the various reports about you know, is, is the shot selection what you need it to be? Kenny, you know, he's, he's regarded as a guy who can get his shot off any time uh, based on what he did for the Bears. But, you know, wh- how does his athleticism, you know, shape up against NBA-level defenders? And, and I think there was some initial trepidation about, you know, the various reports of, of athletic shortcomings. Um, <laughs> it seemed like he put those to rest in those games. Uh, I, I spoke to Coach Drew earlier today who mentioned that, uh, you know, obviously Keontae has done a ton of work on his body over the last few months, right? We saw that we saw that uh, evidence as, as he was playing. But Coach Drew told me, like, hey, at, at his heaviest, uh, Keontae was at around 225. By the time he was working out, uh, doing, doing draft stuff, you know, he was down to 201. Uh, by the time we got him in Vegas, he told us he was at about 190. So clearly, you know, he's, he's a kid who knew what he needed to do in terms of adapting his body to being more effective in the NBA. Uh, he's got a ton of opportunity going forward. You know, I, I, I don't want to say he can do what Donovan did just because that's a pretty rare thing, right? Like Correct. Donovan, like, just was, uh, you know, the original intent was was for uh, him to come off the bench and for Rodney Hood to be the guy, right back in the back in the day. And and Donovan just proved <laughs> way too good, way too fast. And the next thing you know, Rodney Hood is out of here. Um, Keontae will have opportunities, right? If if he's capable of doing that, uh, you could potentially see him in a similar situation. Just because the Jazz are far from settled at point guard right now, and you know you've got. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker, who, who kind of finished last year as the guy. You've got uh, Chris Dunn, who was kind of in and out of the league, in and out of the G League mm-hmm. up until the Jazz signed him for the remainder of last season, and, and, and he proved incredibly effective. Uh, if, if Keontae can demonstrate lead guard, ball-handling, decision-making chops, uh, I think there's a lot of reason to think that he could be the team's point guard of the future. Do I see that happening immediately? No. You know, let's let's keep uh, expectations realistic. The kid is still 19 years old, um, mm-hmm. but man, does he have a lot of talent! And 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 he sure impressed a lot of people 
when Jazz general manager Justin Zanuck said that the Jazz had Keontae 10th on their board, some people kind of scoffed, right? Like, really? Are, are you sure you guys know what you're doing? Are we watching the same player? And then, yeah, you saw him kind of put it out there on the court in, mm-hmm. in Vegas. And, uh, you know, the number of doubters were, uh, were, were a lot less after that. You know, Eric, he was, a, he was probably the greatest freshman in Baylor history. He got injured. I can't remember. It might have been his ankle or whatever. And he, he just didn't – he wasn't the same player the rest of the year. And so we didn't – that guy that was through a lot of the season wasn't there for the NCAA tournament, sadly. I mean, he was out there on the court, but he wasn't the same guy. So he probably lost that weight and then got his ankle right, and then was obviously uh, – but he would, don't let anybody ever tell you that because people say, well, he was disappointment at Baylor. That's far from the truth. Like, he went through a stretch where – and Baylor's had, as you know, great players. He went through a stretch where he was hands down the best freshman Baylor had ever had. And uh, he just got hurt, and it didn't – it wasn't really the same guy. Oh, by the way, Dennis Lindsay – now relocated, yeah. like consultant with the Mavs. Dante Exum, of course, then shows up with the Mavs. So all your all your jazz men are, are uh, showing up down with the Mavs organization if you wondered where they all have ended up. <laughs> well, it's only fair considering the number of, uh, you know, Baylor products that the jazz have brought in over the years. Dennis Lindsay <laughs> being one. His son, Jake Lindsay, is still in the organization. Uh, drafted Jared Butler a few years back. Brought in F.A. Udo. For a season, uh, yeah, seems seems like the Utah-Texas pipeline is flowing both ways. Yeah, and uh, well, listen, uh, hope to uh, get to bump into you maybe in the the press box. Have safe travels to uh, Waco, and your your colleague is correct. I mean, I, you probably want to have pants on because most people do that in the press box, but shorts. Uh, short sleeve shirts, you're fine. Okay, there's never you're you're not going to be chilly at any point on this trip. And uh, man, I'm just dreaming of that 70 degree weather you were talking about. Because uh, Whitting Coach Whittingham was saying like, oh, it's been 95 or 100 the last few weeks in the afternoon. I thought, really? Is that could that be right in Salt Lake City? But it sounds like it's getting back in the range where you guys are comfortable. Eric, uh, I always enjoy reading you and Andy and a lot of the crew there, Tony, over the years. So it was fun to have you on. I appreciate it, and we'll look for you on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to meeting you, Matt. You bet. There he goes, Eric Walden from the uh, Salt Lake City Trib.